The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IAM, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. It's commonly acknowledged that we have more reports of NDEs these days because we have the technologies of resuscitation available. Less often admitted is that medical errors are perhaps the leading cause of death and near-death in hospitals. Without those close calls of medical mistakes, we'd have fewer NDEs to tell you about as well. Today's guest was just such a victim of a medical error, but fortunately with a happy outcome not only of survival, but also with a detailed series of NDEs. Robert Osgood was a successful electrician working in Maine when at age 55 he was suddenly put on restricted duty due to a malfunctioning heart valve. He went through successful open-heart surgery, but afterwards was administered IVs of Versed, a chemical to which he is highly allergic. He suffered a sustained cardiac arrest, multiple organ failures, and a four-day coma, during which he experienced a number of OBEs and NDEs. Robert, known as Oz, <laughs> welcome to NDE Radio. Good morning, Lee. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad to hear your voice. Um, Oz, I've pretty much outlined what brought on your NDEs, so perhaps we could jump right into what happened when your soul left your body. Okay, well, first of all, I just wanted to say that I was 54. You do, You did say 55, but... I think that was my year. I was 54 at that time. Okay. Obviously, uh, it started out like most NDEs as an, an out-of-body experience. Uh, at first, I was above the bed that I was laying in and being vigorously attended to by medical staff. Uh, they were well aware they had a patient developing severe problems. Uh, and then I got coded, and more and more people came into the room. By that time, the pain, they had started some CPR, and the pain was substantial. Uh, and that's when I totally, next thing I know, left the room and the building, uh, going through what I call a Venturi-type tunnel. Uh, some people just say tunnel, but it was Venturi-shaped at an incredibly high speed over what I believe to be you know, a substantial distance.
So the next thing I know, I'm at the end of the tunnel uh, to what so many, and I agree with that, refer to heading towards the light. But as an electrician, we install light, so I call it bright because <laughs> I never saw the actual physical source of the light. So to me, it was very bright at the end of that tunnel, the direction I was heading. I went through what is more or less kind of a portal or, or a large door. You know, some people say gates or door. But I went through an opening, and next thing I know, I'm standing in the most incredibly beautiful place that I, I, you know, I couldn't even imagine something of this beauty. It exceeded it. It exceeded anything that I ever expected. You know, it was phenomenal, exceptional. And, you know, the, the English language just doesn't cover it. That's the hardest part to try to describe. We need new words to, to, to just do the experience justice. Uh, but it was incredible. Uh, it, and once I got there, I immediately joined by another entity who I refer solely to as Jesus. Uh, some people, uh, you know, use other words or what they thought that entity was. Uh, to me, I knew who it was. He, you know, he didn't say, you know, his name was Jesus, but it was clear. It was just... Uh, and the, the method of communication, uh, many people have asked me, you know, what did he say? And I, I said, I didn't see his mouth move or technically hear him say. He telepathically uh, made it clear to me. It was just clear. Uh, he, the thoughts were some way conveyed back and forth without physically saying anything. I mean, we shared communication. And, and one of the next questions that immediately came that I had so many. I mean, I've always been a data information fanatic, and obviously I had many questions once I got there, as would anybody, uh, you know. And one of the questions I asked right off is, where are we? And he conveyed back, you know where you are. So I assume I, I was in heaven. I mean, so I knew I was in heaven. So then I said, no, where physically are we? you know, wanting to know where this place was. And that's something that he wouldn't clarify to, to my satisfaction. All he told me is, we are within your universe. So I'm thinking, well, this is an awful massive universe. I mean, as we all know, it's millions of light years across from one end to the other. So that didn't really help me clarify where we were, just that we were within your universe. He used that term. And that made me, you know, to this day, uh, you know, it's almost as if he hinted to me something NASA and many astronomers have been trying to put a finger on for many years is there's possibility of multiple universes. I mean, he didn't come right out and say that, but that left that wide open. And, and you know, in my thoughts, it's like, is that what he was hinting? So a lot of what he shared with me was up to me to completely try to clarify and interpret, you know, what he said, because he would articulate much better than I can. I, I just don't have that natural ability like that he, that he has. Uh, so I have to take everything he shared with me and break it down to the way that, you know, I can understand what he said. And I could be translating some of it incorrectly, but to the best of my ability. Uh Hello? Yes. Oh, I didn't 
I lost you. You became no, no. You know, we're still here. <laughs> go on from go on from there, Oz. Well, the the next thing that I you know the things I was noticing and like you and I have talked in the past, the, the sequence is unclear. But one thing I noticed that amazes everybody I've spoke with, other than other NDEs that that do share that experience, is even though I was clinically dead at that, you know, by modern medical standards, I never felt more alive. I mean, I felt fantastic. Uh, and I can tell you, any time I did come back to the body, I felt anything but fantastic. I was in agonizing pain. But while I was there with him, I, I've never felt better. Uh, the most alive that I've ever experienced. You know, even though I think back, well, in my younger years, I was in better health and better condition. You know, I must have felt pretty good. Well, I felt ten times better than that. <laughs> you know, uh, it was just incredible, just uh, completely incredible. Was was the uh, was the setting like a field, or was was it like a in a building? What? How how would you describe it? It definitely wasn't a building. It, it was almost as as if I was on another structure. I guess you could say a planet somewhere in our universe. <laughs> uh, definitely not here on Earth. That, that that without question, uh, and it w the horizon seemed you know if you get like a, on a water tower here in the local area, you can see out over the horizon. You can actually see it start to curve you know on a clear day. But one thing I noticed there is it seems so huge that no matter where I stood, I didn't see that slow bend you know of the curvature of wherever we were at. So it, obviously this place was in incredibly massive wherever it was and when you stop and you really think about it with so many other entities sharing that place it has to be massive uh, yeah but it was more it, it, uh, the field I wouldn't really call it a field as I would call it the most incredible landscape I'm speaking to you with with uh, eyeglasses on right now reading glasses and if I take them off if I try to look at any kind of written text I can't see it I just see dots but there, obviously, every the pain or any issue with your problem, whatever's wrong with you here on Earth, stays here while you're there, including my bad eyesight, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, so everything was so well-focused and so vivid. I mean, the colors popped up off of, obviously, there was like an incredible garden of flowers. And it was almost like the colors, you know, the blues, the reds, the pinks, popped up off the flowers. They were that vivid. I mean, intense. I've never seen anything like it, obviously. That can even touch it. The trees, you know, were just symmetrical, perfect shape. You know, no flaws like a branch heading out in the wrong direction. They were just uh, nothing like that. You know, you, you, you envision a, a tropical paradise or some beautiful place, and, and the earth has many beautiful tropical paradises, but they can't touch it, I mean, in my opinion. You know, I have never been to. Did, did you see any other beings, us, uh, angels, or uh, people that you remembered from, uh, you know, uh, you know, past ancestors, you know, grandparents, or anything like that? Yes, I did. Uh, the, well, when you first get there, you're at the end of a multiple pathway type entry point, and as as we moved around, he shared different things, and as we're moving around, I'm seeing different people. And at first, because 
I was first time ever in heaven. I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I didn't really recognize people at that precise moment, only because the way we last saw them here on earth is not necessarily how you'll see them there. They're going to, the older were younger and the younger were older. So it's not what you last remember seeing. Uh, like I said, even Jesus himself didn't appear the way that I thought he was. He was younger and, and, and very sharp looking, very, very handsome young man. Uh, so I wonder what I looked like. <laughs> that wasn't a concern of mine at all while I was there. I was just so overwhelmed and fascinated by everything I was experiencing that my last concern was, well, I wonder how they see me. If it, is it as good as I see them? Uh, but as you know, on different paths, I, I ran into a different set of other beings, so-called. Uh, and yes, most of them I now realize were family members. It just didn't dawn on me instantly because I didn't recognize them in that state. Uh, and I came to the you know the, the closest path to the portal were a bunch of younger children, ranging in age from probably six to twelve, all looking at me and smiling as we went by. You know, and it was a very warm smile that kind of pulled me in. And, you know, they were looking at me as if they knew exactly who I was, and I felt so much love. And I and I reflected it back because it's like, for some reason, you know, I'm in love with these children, and I just you know, saw them for the first time. I later found out that the best that I can tell you is that uh, my wife had and I had some IVF uh, procedures many years ago. And unfortunately... Those seven embryos just it didn't follow through. They all were unsuccessful, even though the embryos were perfectly healthy and very good, very good shape according to the IVF technicians. Uh, those, in my opinion, unquestionably, I can't question at all, were those seven children. Now, XX years older, you know, because of that much time has transpired here on Earth, so they aged correspondingly to earth time but nothing else there was happening in anything close to what i would call earth time <laughs> not even not even in the ballpark um, you know looking at uh, some of my medical documents everything's termed in minutes you know uh obviously the entire uh cardiac event was a 45 minute procedure not not that long necessarily without the heartbeat but the problem started you know, the breathing, uh, the hypotension. You know, I normally have hypertension, and to suddenly develop very low blood pressure was highly irregular, and obviously that outcome wasn't good from that point on. But, I mean, so technically I was in that condition that they were working on me, trying to revive me for a total of a 45-minute period. But, like I said, it was decades (laughs) as far as what I sensed in, in a matter of time. You know, as far as my head sees it, because so could some of that have been during your coma under the with the bursted? What was that? Could some of your experiences have come while you were being given this poisonous bursted? That's quite possible because I saw some things that happened while I was known to be in critical condition and still in the coma, according to medical documents that. There's no other way I could have saw them. I mean, I was not non-responsive 
on full life support, obviously my eyes were shut. But obviously, during those several days in that state, obviously my wife and my family, my daughter, my sisters and nieces, uh, friends all came by to visit and, you know, check to see how I was doing. And I saw many of them. And in fact, one of the first things I said after the nurse first talked to me, when my wife came into the room, she started talking about, you know, she was so happy, obviously, to see me extubated and able to speak for the first time, which was, uh, I'd been tubated for four and a half days. My throat was incredibly sore and parched, totally dehydrated. I could barely speak. But, you know, I was telling her how glad, she was telling me how glad she was to see me, and I was telling her how glad I was seeing you and, and how I'd seen her several times. And she came over to my left side and grabbed my left arm. You couldn't raise it because I had several IVs going at the time, but you could hold it. And I said, you did that so many times. And she looked at me puzzled. Like, how did he know that? And I said, because I saw you. Uh, she would always hold my left hand, and she would hold it tightly. Uh, and I was thanking her for being there. I mean, she's been my rock, you know. Documents, and that, that's the only reference I can have for time because obviously uh, I was in serious medical status at that point. Uh, I went through a delirium protocol, or what they considered somewhat delirious, but I was just uh, obviously coming back to my body and having a real hard time dealing with it. Uh, a lot of things that were going on because it was clear to me a mistake had been made, you know, because they're telling me there was no problems with the surgery. And they did six consults, uh, six professionals, and they could not find an etology that explained why this patient who had been recovering so well up and suddenly had a cardiac arrest because they kept overlooking what we firmly believed to have been the cause. Right. Uh, so, my question, though, actually was, um, did you tell your wife right away about seeing Jesus and the other side? Yes, I did. Uh, what did she think? I didn't get to talk to her right away because uh, obviously my first couple conversations were with nurses and doctors when I was... No, no, I know, but when you told her, what did, what did she think about it? <clears throat> she was amazed, but she did not question it because her and my daughter had spent a lot of time in the waiting room doing some very intense praying, and I felt their prayers. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I told her that, that, you know, I heard her praying, I felt her prayers. I, I don't, you don't really hear them, you feel them, you sense them. Mm. Uh, Interesting. And obviously, I, 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 Oz, before before we run out of time, I want to take you back because you told me about the different paths that you walked with Jesus. Uh, tell us a little about those paths. There was, you know, I, I tried to sketch it out on paper as to how many different paths there were, and what I got to see, at least in in my journeys, were five distinct paths. The first pass uh, was off to our left once we once I got there, and that was the pass. That was the life review type section and all of your past. Uh, do you want me to get into that? Because that's going to eat up an awful lot of time. <laughs> it was a long. Well, uh, tell us about what the other uh, other paths were. I went the second time, or I, I see the time. The time reference is, is something I, I I'm not comfortable with yet because I haven't been able to develop the reference of time. 
uh, I went further down the path, and that's where I saw the children that we spoke of just moments ago. Uh, and behind them were other children, you know. I mean, just obviously past loved ones that had died young, unfortunately. Uh, and then as you move up further, it's as if the past are a transition in time uh, so that you see what involves your life in almost like a, almost a circle. And it depends on where you're at and what you're going to experience while you're at that point. As as we went further up, the ages of the people I saw got a little bit, but there was never any seniors, including ones, loved ones that we had lost that were seniors. They're now in their 20s and 30s. So I don't immediately recognize them, but I feel them and I feel their love. And they knew me. So even though I didn't recognize them, they, they knew who I was. They recognized me. I do now. I mean, because I've run it through my mind and replayed it in my mind so many times, I recognize them all. Yeah. But for the bulk of them, uh, some of the older seniors I had never got to meet. Unfortunately, uh, they had passed before I was old enough to remember them. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what were the other paths about? Well, each the, the, the what was also changing besides the entities that I I was experiencing on these different paths is the scenery is also changing. The further down we got, I started noticing uh, more background noises, uh, like a, a, a babbling-type sound, and I come to find out that was a, a waterfall far to the back left of what I remember seeing, coming off the side of a mountain, a small, a large hill, or I, I'd call it a mountain. And that apparently went to a stream, but I never got to go far enough you know, to actually see the stream, but you could hear it. And you knew it was there. Uh, and and further ahead on that, like almost straight ahead, I could see what appeared to be, and that was kind of out of focus because it was further out. And unfortunately, you know, I kept told, being told it's not my time. I had to go back, so I didn't have, you know, enough time to explore as much as I wanted to there, was what appeared to be a steeple. And the best I can assume is, you know, most buildings have steeples or churches, is that it was possibly a church. And that puzzled me at first, and it's puzzled some people I've talked to with, and they said, why would it be a church in heaven? And at first, it, it is kind of hard to even fathom that. But then when you think about it, what better place to have a church than in heaven? So I don't know. I didn't get to go in that building. I don't know what it was, but that's, that's certainly what I remember it looking like from that distance. And, and as you move around, the scenery is changing, you know, as you go down each different pathway. Uh, I got further along, and the scenery was less less hills, a lot smaller trees, or less trees even. It, was, it became more fieldish, uh, and not as many flowers, and more rocks, which I thought was odd. Uh, there were still plenty of birds flying over. I saw a bunch of eagles. Uh, what appeared to be doves, because they don't fly right up to you, they were flying over, and butterflies, which was peculiar. Very. A lot of butterflies, almost every pathway, there were butterflies. And he used the term butterfly more than once. Uh, I believe you and I have talked about that in the past. It's a multi-fold word. It has many meanings. Uh, and as, as we've gathered, he might have meant the butterfly effect, 
or the butterfly metamorphosis, uh, where the butterfly starts as an unsightly type creature uh, in a larva in the caterpillar stage and blossoms into a magnificent butterfly. And, you know, and I think he was talking about life in general, how what it seems isn't always, and what it appears to be isn't always what it is. Uh, because that's when one time he used the word butterfly. So that, were there any uh, were there any big questions that you uh, that you asked him that you remember the answer to? I remember most of the answers, and there were tons of questions. Uh, well, we only have time for for maybe one or two. So, well, one of the questions I had was obviously the status of of humans, you know, back and how he sees it. And he went on to say that as much as we've evolved as people and our intelligence has gotten better, our technology has gotten better, that on the uh, global picture that he sees, we're barbaric, which, you know, everybody says it was my NDE distressful. And I said, in, in a small way, yes, because certain things that I saw or heard weren't all positive. Because in the, the the real reality of things, things can't always be positive. There's going to be some bad news here and there. Uh, so that puzzled me. Why would he call us barbaric? And then the more you think about it, well, actually, he made a very good point. The way he sees it, you know, the way mankind is at this moment. And that was in 2012. And obviously, as we all know, the troubles have grown globally, uh, nationally and globally. So he was getting an early view of, you know, sharing that with me. And one thing he made very clear is he can't change it, but we can. And he went on to tell me the cure for everything, every problem we have, uh, whether it be disease or a technical issue, is here. All the solutions are here. We just have to discover them or find them. But everything that we would ever need, to cure any problem, especially a disease, uh, maybe it be it a cancer or some other form of disease, is here. And in due time, we will discover it. Uh, most times by accident, <laughs> not on purpose, but he made that. Unfortunately, we're pretty much run out of time for today. Uh, perhaps you'd like to tell the audience how they might get in touch with you if they have any questions or comments, a Facebook uh, connection or something like that. Well, they, uh, the Facebook, my personal one? Well, whatever you would like to share with the audience. Uh, they can email me. I mean, uh, uh, that's, that's, give, give them your email address. Ozman, O-Z-M-A-N, 50, the number 50. At gmail dot com, Osman fifty at gmail dot com. Oh. All right. Hey, thank you, thank you, Oz. This has been terrific. Well, I want to, I want to I, I thank our guest, Robert Oz Osgood, for sharing some of his NDE experience with us today. If you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANDS, check out that website, iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying, 
Thanks for listening.